Are you suffering from back pain? Well, I've got the thing just for you. 15 surefire tips for relieving back pain plus 192 others just in case, volume 1, available at Amazon.com. Over 30 million Americans are suffering with back pain at this very moment. The vast majority of these cases are either caused or exacerbated by common lifestyle factors. Many of the same factors may be causing you pain right now. Join board certified physician Andrew Kirshner as he guides you through the parts of your life where these problems occur and gives you simple, safe and effective solutions for these common daily pitfalls. In this fun and informative book, you will learn how to identify the aspects of your life which may be causing you pain, how to create a back-friendly environment, how you can improve your pain by improving your sleep, ways to make a pain-free commute, how you can perform daily activities without making your pain worse, and much more. Andrew Kirshner is so well respected in the field of back pain relief. He has you know, famous clients such as DJ Jazzy Jeff. He has done many talks and lectures at universities in the UK. He has appeared on QVC demonstrating back pain relief products and that is because he is an expert in his field and people trust him. Also, check out the five-star reviews on Amazon.com. This is the book that you need if you suffer from back pain. That's 15 surefire tips for relieving back pain, plus 192 of us just in case, volume one, available at Amazon.com in paperback. Check the link below the show for more information. Welcome to another episode of Turn Chuckle presented to you by Grapple Arcade. I am Pablo and Foxy is not here this week. It's kind of like one of those episodes of Mania from 93-94 when Todd Pettengill would host with Randy Savage and Savage wouldn't be there sometimes because, yeah, I don't know, you'd be wrestling or whatever. And don't get me wrong, I'm the biggest Todd Pettengill fan in the world, but you can't in, you know, bring in Randy Savage as a co-host and not have him be there certain weeks. But uh, yes, so that gives you an idea of <laughs> the general the general topics of, uh, of Turn Chuckle. We are not your average pro wrestling podcast, basically. Uh, whether that's a good thing or not, I'll leave it for you to decide. Um, this week's episode was going to be with Austin Idol, and we were going to talk, well, we have done the interview. We talked about uh, Retromania, the new wrestling video game from Retrosoft Studios that is a part of, and we talk about all sorts of stuff, but that is going to be next week, uh, because the interview that I thought I had lost, I have found the interview with the world's most famous queer wrestler, Effie, and uh, it, it, it gets queer. <laughs> it, it, the, the, the chat gets queer, basically. Um, because, you know, gay wrestling podcast host, uh, queer wrestler, it goes everywhere you want it to go, baby. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I'm not going to get too far into that. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun. But we, we do get serious as well. We talk about, you know, the Saudi shows that WWE put on. We talk about LGBTQ in wrestling used as a marketing tool and all kinds of things. Um, it's, it's a very interesting uh it's a very interesting conversation, and because I just I, I hadn't listened to it for a little while, because again I thought it was lost, and I do apologise because he does talk about things that happened in April, and now it's June, so yeah, just forget about any of that. But um, 
yeah, I, I don't know. It, it, it wasn't as um, one-dimensional filth <laughs> as I remembered it being. It's actually uh, far more interesting. Like, I, I was, it, w it was a great conversation to have, but I think it's going to be a lot more interesting for the listener as well because uh, it's not just us uh, perving over wrestlers' asses, basically. So, of course, I want to thank the sponsor, uh, 15 Surefire Tips for Relieving Back Pain, the advert at the start of the show. Andrew Kirshner is a friend, a collaborator, uh, musically, uh, he's a world-class doctor and he's written one of the most handy books that I think I've ever read in my life uh, for everyday back problems. So do check out the link below the show. Uh, your support of the book helps support the show basically. So I really, really appreciate it. Especially, I mean, you may be a wrestler listening to this as well and you may just have those everyday back problems. And I know what it's, I've heard stories about like, you know, what paying for medicine and you know, doctor's bills and all that kind of stuff's like in America, it's, it's fucking atrocious, to be honest. Um, it's one of the reasons why I couldn't move to America, um, even though I, I desperately want to, because uh, I don't think I could afford the healthcare, basically. So if you just have those little everyday nagging injuries, do check out the book. Um, as far as uh, Grapple Arcade goes, we are going to be at NERG. Now, this is Northeast Retro Gaming, and this is going to be... July 13th and 14th and there is going to be a WrestleFest tournament. I cannot wait. A new WrestleFest cabinet has been built from scratch. Uh, I think two have. I could be wrong but there's definitely going to be a tournament and I throw down the fucking challenge to any of you losers who think that you can beat me at WrestleFest. It's not gonna happen. I'm gonna fucking walk away with all. But to be fair though if I win and because I'm a part of running it, it may look like a complete f fix. So, like, <laughs> you know, maybe I can't get involved that much, but uh, I will. I will challenge anyone. And you know who I'm going to be? I'm going to be fucking Crush from Demolition because I love Crush. Basically, um, you know, I, <laughs> I didn't mind Crush and Smash as Demolition. You know, I like all eras of Demolition, but I love all eras of Crush as well. So yeah, I'm going to beat you as Crush, Con like potentially the worst person on the game you know, objectively, so then it'll be more embarrassing for you, you motherfuckers, when you try and beat me at, uh, at WrestleFest. So, um, yeah, without any further ado, because I don't have Foxy here to talk about general wrestling stuff, and we don't really talk about new wrestling stuff anyway, to be honest. Actually, with the interview with Effie, we talk about more new WWE, you know, and the whole LGBT, Finn Balor, etc., you know, than I probably have with anyone else, so it, it's great to be able to do that as well. Um... And you get a, a, an idea of like why it's hard to support WWE sometimes, you know, um, and we could get into that a lot more. But, um, you know, it's it's one of those things. But it, it's full of chuckles. This is Turn Chuckle, by the way. You know, it's not Turn Misery. You know, I, I, to be fair, I would need a better name for the show. It would need to be pun-based. But, uh, yeah, it's a lot of fun. Uh, it's here. It's queer. It's two months late. It's my interview with the one and only Effie. Okay, so this week on Turntruckle, and because I'm highly unoriginal and I'm going to rip this off another interview that I've seen with the guest, um, the sober, queer, punk rock pro wrestler of your dreams, this is Effie. Hello. Is, isn't that a hot like intro line? I saw that and I was like, look, everyone's going to think I'm a douchebag for having this like as the intro line but uh the guy who wrote that article he figured it out you know and i think like you know you, you're like oh my god all these buzzwords queer sober punk rock but when you really take a look at what i'm doing it's like that's it that's it man you figured it out in a line mm -hmm. and and that that's you that's your tinder profile right there you know <laughs> I know. And, you know, for as like sexually promiscuous as I come across, <laughs> I've been dating the same guy for three years. 
he tolerates, you know, the crazy <laughs> stuff that happens. So he'll be at shows like selling my merch or hanging out. And people are coming up to me, like wanting to kiss me on the cheek and touch me. And, and he's like totally cool with it. So well, yeah, it's been rewarding. That's the thing. I mean, because it's, I, I guess it is an extension of yourself, but I guess fans do think, obviously gay fans and probably women as well think that they can just like oh, yeah. molest you basically. Like, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Which, you know, like, look, I'll be that I'll be that beacon for you. If you need to come touch me and it makes you feel okay, you know what? Come on over here, baby. Uh, so what's like the most um inappropriate thing that you've ever been sent online? Um, oh, I mean, people send me like DM dick pics all the time. Yeah. Um, I even had to put a post out that was like, can you guys please stop sending me dick pics? <laughs> like, it, you know, I obviously I'm putting out a certain persona there. So people think it's okay to just kind of like send their penis and I don't need to see it. You know, I've seen, uh, this isn't news to anyone. I've seen a lot of dicks and really everyone's seen a lot of dicks Yeah. because if you watch online pornography, there's just dicks everywhere. Even if you're not looking at a dick video, there's a dick in one of the windows, you know, trying to <laughs> advertise you more dicks. So this, this goes for all types of pornography. So when people get freaked out about seeing a dick, um, I'm like, well, you've seen them, but also like waking up every day and having to, oh, like, let's see who messaged me. Oh, it's just another dick, <laughs> you know? And like, how do you politely tell someone like, hey, you can still buy a shirt, but I don't ever need to see that part of you again. Yeah, it's, it, it turns into a different kind of cock blocking at that point. You just block. Of course. Yeah, I, I don't want to block people, but you know, like. I also don't want to open my messages and have my boyfriend look over my phone and he's like, why are you, why are you sexting with people? And I'm like, Oh, is that what this is <laughs> being unsolicited with, with, uh, pictures of the male member? And, and yeah, that's yeah. Like, I mean, I, okay. Cause if I'm on like, do you get grinder in America? Of course. Oh, you do get grinder. Okay. Um, yeah. I haven't been on there in a while. Heard it's changed a tad, but, uh, well, that's the thing I had uh, like just Tinder for like a long while and, I I think it's a really antisocial thing, so I just swipe right on everybody, and then and without looking at it, and then make your decision if they swipe right back, sort of thing. But yeah. but also that's kind of horrible because if someone swipes right back to you because they like you, and you've just randomly not even looked at their profile, then you you know they, they may have fallen in love with you, and you've just dashed the dreams, you know. Um, well, listen, gay guys are way worse about it because there's two types of people on Grinder, right? There's people who want to have sex with you right now <laughs> under whatever circumstance. And then there's people who are like, I just want love. Like, I want to meet someone. And full disclosure, me and my boyfriend met on Grinder, like randomly. But we've worked it out and we've been dating for like three years. But like people get on there and it's like it's one or the other. So there's all these sad people who can't find long term love because the people they're hitting up are just like, I want to, I want to do this and never see you again. And that's, that works for me. Yeah. So it's, uh, we're not going after the same thing all the time on there, which leads to a lot of broken gay hearts. Well, see, I, I decided to download Grindr just to see what it was like. And to be honest, it, it, it like, it surprised me that are people looking for relationships? Like, cause I was telling friends about it. They're like, I don't know what kind of Grindr you're on, but it's, you know, not the one I've heard of. And it's like, no, there are normal people on there who don't yeah. just want to fuck. And well, it's it's really hard for gay people, too, because we're constantly playing this game of like, do I admire you and want to be your friend or do I want to be with you? Yeah. And when it comes to socialization, like it's hard for gay men to find, you know, friends in their community that aren't going to make things weird by like pushing it to that level, you know, like to find platonic gay friends in a gay community is sort of the 
it's it's even it's even harder to do than finding like a long term partner romantically. This is why you have so, to, this is why you have to find ugly gay friends, and then there'll be like no um, sexual. Yeah, plus you there. get to do like a, a gay makeover montage scene. Then. <laughs> Let's get you looking right. This is true. And, yeah, see, with me, like this. I mean, this is this is a wrestling podcast. We will get to wrestling at some point. We'll but, get uh, to wrestling. There's so much wrestling. There's so much wrestling. But um, yeah, it's it was kind of because I came out like only two years ago, and it, it, it was largely because I was. It sounds lame, but I was just like scared of what my mom was going to say. Um, yeah, you know, because that's the ultimate judge sort of thing, and um, I kind of. Um, I, I like I basically you fell in love with someone and they weren't gay and it, but you you have to kind of skirt around the subject and then eventually like I'm good. Sorry, I just had the hotel come check on me. That's good service right there. I'll keep that in. Yeah. So, yeah. Um and then you have to sort of make the decision of like, is this, is it worth dealing with the parents thing? I, I kind of had that where I was like, I knew my parents loved me, but I sort of laid the law down and was like, Hey, I'm actually really fun and interesting and talented and cool. And people like me, you can either jump on the train or you can move aside, but you're going to miss out yeah. and putting that consequence on them of like, look, I'm over here having a great time and we're having fun and we're being ourselves. You can be a part of it or not. And they sort of go, Oh shit. We better be a part of it, you know? Was it a shock for anyone? Like, were you always out to friends and stuff like that? Um, I've always been quite the scandal, if that's a a way to put it. You know, like, especially throughout college, you kind of, you disappear with who you disappear with. At that time, it might have been women, it might have been men, it might have been whoever. Mm -hmm. Nobody was really surprised, but you also sort of have to, like, have that conversation with yourself and go, okay, how am I going to present myself to the world in a way that is comfortable and real to me, but is also, like, you know, I guess tolerable and palatable to the, to the rest of the world, you know, cause I'm in a business where I have to still make money off people, right? Like at the end of the day, that's what we're doing where people are paying to see us and they want to see it. So you have to kind of ride a line sometimes of like, all right, how, how far are we going to push this thing? How much of myself am I going to give to this? Um, and figuring that part out can take a lot longer from like a marketability standpoint than anything else, you know, of what parts of you are open to the world. Cause right now with social media, any part of you could be open to the world, you yeah. know? And you see that from wrestlers sometimes like the most frustrating thing I see from wrestlers is like, they'll tweet, you know, come see me at the show. They'll tweet, you know, Hey, check out this merch. Hey, check out these shows. Hey, check out this. And then it'll be like, Oh, like the worst day of my life. My transmissions busted need help. You know, Oh, my girlfriend left me. So it's the, the line of like, how can I be transparent to the people that are following me and wanting to support me in wrestling while not pushing them off by coming off as like a desperate regular human? Because you see like eighties and nineties, even seventies, sixties, these guys were so much larger than life. And even later into the nineties, larger than life, you know, even early 2000s, larger than life. And now with as many wrestlers as are on the scene to a certain extent, it's hard for us not to come off as just humans when there's as many of us doing it as there are. But I think you can still find a way to maintain sort of, Hey, we're, we're still superstars. We're still accessible and reasonable people, but we still want you to be able to look up to us and feel comfortable paying money, not to just see another human, but to, to see something that's a little bigger than that. Yeah. Well, I mean, but we are, um, how old are you? If you don't mind me asking. I am 28 right now. I'm 29 in June. Oh, that's, so I'm, I'm on the cusp. That's depressing. When you, when you find yourself being older than most wrestlers now, that's like a, a weird thing for me to deal with. <laughs> um, like I'm, yeah, fl- but also, you know, what's crazy about wrestling now is the age thing matters less than it ever has. 
Mm. You know, like I, I know guys who are rolling in. I'm going to have a match with a guy tonight who's like 21, but I also could have a great match with a guy who's 45. And we're all equally capable of signing a contract at this point with yeah. any company because they're not looking at the age. They're looking at the entertainment and who's bringing it to the table and who's interesting and who do the people want to see. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and as well, the, the only time the age thing ever really came into play was during the Monday Night Wars when WWF used it as a tool to say, how, look how old these WCW wrestlers are. But Hogan was only, what, 45? AJ Styles is 45, you know what I mean? Yeah, you know, so yeah. Like, it's really not that big of a deal. Um, it's not, and, and a lot of these guys, man, you know, through their 20s, they work these matches. Through their 30s, they work. But really, as a wrestler, you get really, really good when you get to that 38, 39, 40 level where you really understand it. You feel mature and comfortable in what you're doing. And seeing those guys work and the confidence in what they're putting out is like it's awesome to see at that level that that's where it's really going to click for everybody. Yep. You can get good early, but having that much experience behind you you know, makes, makes your job so much better and makes you crisper and makes you understand who you really are. So I like watching older guys work because they really have a better idea of, you know, exactly how to work a room and play an audience and get the story over and let things settle in. And they still are doing crazy stuff. I mean, look at PCO. He's taking bigger bumps than anybody right now, <laughs> but he's still able to put on a storytelling match where you understand what he's trying to get across. Yeah. He, he was the scariest wrestler I ever met. Cause he, um, I met him at a show about 10 years ago and I, I'm like a huge fan of like the early to mid 90s. Of course. Um, I went because obviously he was there and I'm, I'm, he, Christian's my favorite wrestler of all time so Gangrel was there and uh, so I wanted to oh get my, this uh, oh. brood thing signed and you know I've got far too much wrestling shit. It's unbelievable how much junk that I have. But um, I'm such a Gangrel fan. Really? Um, I worked on, I worked a show with him. I've worked a few shows with him, but we never really worked together, but I worked a show and the promoter said, Hey, we need you to go save Gangrel. The guy's going to attack him with a chair. We need you to go save him. And I looked at Gangrel and I go, baby, we're getting that gay vampire pop tonight. <laughs> and he was like, Oh hell yeah. And they popped so big when I came in and saved Gangrel. And we worked that hard camp for 10 minutes and it was like highlight of my life because not only is it still like, Oh, he's a legend. He's still working. And people are figuring it out now, but Gangrel puts 150% in every damn night to the point where you're like, are you okay, man? Because he goes so hard in the ring because he knows what the fans want. He knows what he can give to them. And I think he still gets excited seeing that he can keep up with the young guys, even though he's been in this business for 35 years or whatever it is. It's insane, isn't it? I mean, the the picture that I have with Gangrel, uh, this is when he was starting a wrestling porn company. Do you remember this at all? Oh, yeah. Yeah, and he has that T-shirt on. But um, when I met uh, when I met Pierre, um, he kind of just stared at me and didn't say a word. And he has he has like a glass eye, doesn't he? Or um, he's got something going on in there. I don't know what it yeah. is, but so it's it's ha- authentic. What he is presenting in the ring is him. Yeah. So well, having that just stare at you at nighttime and there's no one else around while he just like signs this magazine without even looking at it. He's just staring at you. That was kind of a, yeah, yeah. I thought he was going to kill me <laughs> at that point, but um, I've got two questions before we go fully interesting. So, and this is just kind of be- because I'm a gay dude, it's kind of interesting for me to know this. Um, well, the first one kind of isn't that, but it, it's kind of, do you feel that we are the last generation of people that kind of, value our privacy a little bit more so we don't feel the need to put everything out there on social media because i'm sure you don't at all not and that's just because it's no one else's fucking business you know 
Yeah, and it's it's sort of the art of like how transparent do we really have to be? There's some people who have that full transparency, but to me, like I still want to keep a little bit of character and mystique to it because that's missing a lot in wrestling. I put out a video that was called Talk and Shoot, which the O's were little uh, shit emojis, and it was me basically being an asshole but saying some real stuff where like, you know, even if it's your favorite wrestler and you're going to see them, it's hard to still see pictures of like, here's me and my opponent in the car or here's me and my opponent practicing the move you're going to see tonight 20 times. Um, And maybe that's like an old school part of me, but I do think there are things that we can share and feel very transparent and open with the people who support us. I don't even like the term fans because the way people spend money on wrestling, you're straight up supporters. Um, You're fans of the product, obviously, but like when guys walk around and they're like, Oh, my fans, my fans, like girl, nobody came just to see you. They came (laughs) to see wrestling and they're excited to see you, but don't act like there's not a bigger thing pulling them in here. Um, Having that kind of diva mentality, you know, you have to watch that a little bit. And then also watching like how much of your human do you show? And like, occasionally I'll post stuff with me and my boyfriend, but he like, he's a pretty private person. He's not into PDA. He's not into like getting talked to at shows. So, um, I limit some of that, but also like I'm fully transparent about my dog who I love so much. And people have kind of connected with that too, where I can make silly stuff featuring my dog. And that's my dog every day. That dog is with me all the time, you know? (laughs) So that's, that's something I feel like let's be just fully transparent on the dog because we're all having fun with that. Yeah. No, Um, no. Pets are there to be exploited in the sense that they don't pay rent. So, you know, they've got to earn the money somehow. Yeah. Yeah. We we need to, we need to sell those. I just put up cranberry and Effie prayer candles and we've already sold a few since last night. I saw that. Do you ship to the UK? I, I want one of those. You know, I don't, I think they do. Um, I know I do for my website, but this is a company in Florida that I'm working through on these. So I would have to check. I think they do though. I'll do it, man. I just put, I'm like, look, pay a little extra on shipping. I'll get it out to you. Um, cause if you want it, man, I'm not going to stop you from, from getting something from me. You know what I mean? I want to make it easy, that's but like, that's also, this is subject changing, but like, are you not frustrated as a wrestling fan by how hard it is sometimes to get merchandise from these guys? Dude, um, yeah, um, and, and not just merchandise directly from wrestlers, but uh, I, I, I am. It's kind of weird. I have all the traits of the forty-year-old virgin, but luckily I'm not forty or anywhere near a virgin. I just have lots of toys, basically. Um, yeah. So somehow you've, you've made both sides of that coin work. Yeah, I've managed to sort of somehow still balance a social life while owning, you know, uh, ten different Bastion Booger action figures, all that kind of, you know, it's it's insane. But but the thing is that the Instagram, where I kind of show off bits of the collection, drives people to the podcast, because it's kind of a good tool for that, which is, uh, which is, handy and it makes the collection kind of pay for itself as well which is good but you would never take a, yeah i could never take a girl back to this room it's a good job i'm gay because like it, it would have to be dudes you know <laughs> she would go um i don't know well okay so looking at your instagram page i'm gonna kind of interview you a little bit here yeah i see the toys that you collect i see the merchandising that you collect mm-hmm. i'm i'm personally frustrated when i see poorly done or poorly designed wrestler merch that they're expecting people to buy. I call it, I don't know what you guys call it in the UK in the U S with John Cena. We have a lot of make a wish. Is that a global company? Um, yeah, it is. Yeah. Okay. So I call it, I refer to it as make a wish merch Uh because the people who are coming up and buying the merch that's not well done or is shitty or is like really crap homemade and they're expecting people to buy it. 
people are buying it because they just, well, I want to go give him $5 anyway, and I guess I'll take the merch piece, and they'll probably throw it away. Mm-hmm. They're sort of going, we're going to we're gonna crowdfund your little dream and make your wish come true over here, but we really don't want your merch, and it's not something people collect. So I try to work really hard on making merch that is at least quality, done well, designed well, put together put together well um, so that, you know, if people are spending harder and money on it, they at least feel like they're getting a quality product and something that's going to last or something they actually would wear or want to have. Yeah. And that takes like the responsibility of you as a performer to not just go, Oh man, we're going to make some merch and sell it to these marks. But to go, look, I want, I want to take this character brand and make something cool that people feel, you know, like they actually want to wear, not like, Oh, I just have to go give this guy money. I want to support him. But I actually would wear that pen on my backpack or I would wear that shirt or like I would burn the prayer candle in my house. I even do car air fresheners. You know, (laughs) I think that's cool. Um, And that's something where like it's one size. Um, You don't have to say I'm out of the XL. It's stuff that everyone can walk up and get. And it's easy stuff for them to want to actually use in their daily life. So I think about all these things when I'm making merchandise because I know looking at the wrestling community, we take our merchandise seriously as fans, as collectors. You know, any wrestler who tells you not on a fan is a fool because they're all looking for the right figures. They're looking for the right shirts. Like, do you have this? Do you have that? Of old school, cool stuff that is collectible now. I want my stuff to be collectible, like, in the present at the moment. Yeah, I, I love stuff as well that is made to kind of suit the character as well. Like, you know, it, you know, most people can have, like, a badge or a T-shirt. But I love that you have uh, a candle and uh, air freshener and stuff like that. That kind of, I can imagine, you know, Effie, yeah, I, Effie would, you know. Of course, Effie's going to have a prayer candle and air freshener. Of course, right? So I also did a, a, a genderless unisex fragrance. <laughs> and the first time I did it, people don't even know this, I, I made it all myself. I bought perfumers, alcohol, I bought all the oils, I bought the bottles, I got the labels made, I packed it, I shipped it, I did everything myself. And I sold out 100 bottles of that stuff in like a month. So I was like, shoot, let me do it again. I did it again. I sold, I sold different bottles, different scents that I made myself. Sold out 50 in a month at a much higher price. Uh And then I had a company step into me and say, look, we see what you're doing. Why don't you come make a fragrance with us? We'll make it for you. You can pick the scent and make it yourself. And they're about to put that out. So I don't want to limit, you know, like what the brand of Effie is when I can have these unique, cool products that still kind of fit into the vision of like, we're supporting every gender. This is a scent for everyone. It's going to smell good, and you can support Effie, and you're going to be pumped when you buy it. You're not going to be like, oh, we bought a crappy product. You're going to be like, this is a fragrance I want to wear every day. And when people ask me why it smells so good, they're going to say it's because of Effie, and that's awesome to me mm-hmm. to help grow what I'm doing. Was there one particular thing that really boosted your social media presence or um, your like presence on the independent scene, like one particular match? Because I'll be honest, like I've only – kind of found you in the last month and i'm really glad that i have um yeah and that what i tell people is uh it's not the product it's the eyes on the product Mm -hmm. because i've been doing the same thing for like five years and it just sort of builds a little bit a little bit the match that really set me off though social media wise was when i fought izzy the nxt super fan who is a child last august right because that blew me up um and that story is kind of funny because originally her parents were like hey she's been training really hard you know, she's been working with Chelsea Green and Santana Garrett in Florida and training for like six to seven months. We wanted to have like a little exhibition match. We think that'd be good. And they saw me and said, look, we've seen you work. We trust you to be safe. Um, y'all just have fun. So it ended up being me versus Leva Bates, who's blue pants on NXT and Izzy tag teaming. Yeah. And I played the heel 
And after this thing happened, you know, it was such a goofy little thing. The building only holds like 70 people for this wrestling show. You know, it was really like an exhibition. Let's go try it out. Nobody's really going to see this. But when the video started getting out, you know, they see that I'm wearing a shirt that says Effie Beats Children. There was only one shirt that was made by this company. <laughs> I was like, I, I really, I really like Andy Kaufman. Uh-huh. And this was kind of an Andy Kaufman moment for me where I can say like, I can be this crazy heel who beats up kids and wear this shirt. And there was a British news article, I think on page six, about how this American wrestler was promoting child abuse. So there was a big picture of me <laughs> saying he was selling these shirts that say Effie beats children. And at the at the current moment, we were not selling the shirts. There was one of them. So I called the guy who made the shirt and I was like, how quick can we get these online? He's like, right now. And we did end up selling the shirts. Yeah. I sold like 20 in a day. And that PayPal hit, and I was like, y'all can keep talking shit. This is good. Yeah. I like this. God, no you know? no one can take a joke, can they? Yeah. They can't. And here's, man, they just, they didn't watch the whole match either. I got my ass kicked. That's, I got beat up. I got stunned. Yeah. yeah. They were more mad about, oh, she took a choke slam. And everybody was saying we would never let her bump at our school. We would never, never let her do this. You know, this is outrageous. But, you know. She was bumping in their school and the bump she took with me was totally fine and safe. And the joke I made was, well, if if it was so dangerous and scary for her, would she have no sold me a fucking second later after she kicked out at two and then got in the corner and started cheering? <sighs> people, you know, people want to be people want to be offended. You know, I, it's kind of you know, pe- I think people like sort of subsist of being offended now and just like that's what drives them and, you know, allows them to kind of just rant on social media and stuff like that because they have. Yeah, have, have everybody wants to have their voice heard for a second on a hot take. Yeah. You know, well, the, the thing is, I mean, I um the question I kind of want to ask before we fully go into wrestling is um the the queer label um because i announced you and labeled you as a queer wrestler and i didn't want to offend you know it's just it's kind of a weird thing but the thing is when i use that word people are like oh you can't say that because queer is still used as a derogatory term as well um yeah so, I mean, well i mean but i'm also the same guy who's like we're taking the word faggot back yeah like as gay members of society as people who've been treated like shit because of who we want to be with we're taking all these words back so i love using the words like queer and gay and whatever and bringing it to our side and pushing it out and people are like well you know it's not going to be forever that you can get away just labeling yourself that and that's part of your gimmick. And I was like, good. But for now it is. And until it's completely normalized, I'm going to keep fucking with people, Yeah, you know, until it a hundred percent stops and I'm getting called a faggot or a gay or whatever it shows, then I'm going to keep pushing that button. And that's really been my goal as a character is like, I come into wrestling and see a lot of things I love and I come into wrestling and see a lot of stuff I hate. And my goal is to come in and be the loud opinionated one who isn't really going to worry about the consequences because wrestlers are worried about consequences from these companies, from people with contracts, from people who think they're top dogs and they will listen and shut up and move on. Mm -hmm. I'm not that guy. So my point is, is to get out there and point out the absurdities and the injustices and the dumb stuff that's going on in wrestling. And part of that is like. Yeah, I'm going to come out and be as wildly, openly queer and gay as possible, and you're going to either love it or hate it. But until it's not something that we have to discuss in society, it's going to be a part of what I can get a reaction out of you with. Mm-hmm. I, I, do you think as well that it? I mean, it probably hasn't helped that over the years that every gay character that there has ever been has also been a heel. Um, do you think like fans are generally now beyond the whole? assuming that if someone comes out and is flamboyant like Adrian Street or whatever, that they have to be booed and all that kind of thing. 
You know, I, I, I started in the American South, which I, you know, in the UK, I don't know how familiar you are, but we have what's called the Bible Belt. And it runs from yeah. like Texas up through the South, up to about Virginia. And it's a very conservative area. And that's where I started wrestling. So I knew going in, if I was going to be this kind of queer leaning gay character that I was going to get a lot of heel heat. But what I saw was when I came in and actually wrestled and they saw that I had talent and they saw that I was capable, even though I was wild and gay and crazy and not what they were used to, people did start cheering me. And it usually starts with the kids because kids don't really care or have judgment about anything. They just see something fun and wild and crazy and they want to be a part of it and they love it. So having these rednecks come up to me and they're buying my shirts for their kids and they don't want to do it, <laughs> but, but it's the only shirt their kids want uh-huh. and more people start showing up and then people start showing up and going, Hey, I'm queer. I'm lesbian. I'm gay. I'm weird. I'm fun. And we didn't feel safe coming to the shows, but we saw you were on them. And then we felt like we could come. Not only are we expanding the business and making it safer, we're also showing people that like, look, this did used to be a really fucked up homophobic, terrible thing. But now, you know, we have a safe space where even if everybody here doesn't agree with you, everybody is safe to come in and enjoy the show and have fun and, you know, um, enjoy themselves, really. I mean, that's what it comes down to. So I saw that shift of like, I don't know if I'm changing their whole perception of gay people or gays in politics or what we deserve as rights. But I am at least showing them that like, hey, yeah, I'm a gay man and I'm wrestling and you're still entertaining. You're having a good time. There's nothing wrong with that. And that's important to me right now. But do you think, um, like, when Finn Balor kind of flies the flag for LGBTQ and the whole how WWE have kind of tastefully dealt with Pat Patterson with his book and uh, when he was on Legends House and stuff like that, do you think that that have people brought that up to you as well? And how how do you feel about someone who isn't necessarily um, or someone who's straight basically flying that flag? Do you think that kind of um, demeans it in any way because like i it's kind of weird to me that they would get fired darren young while and then right. kind of give the whole thing to finn Balor, or well not give it to him but he kind of like took it for himself sort of thing you know it's it's one of those things where like you know have people ever come to you and be like oh my grandma doesn't understand that i'm gay the wwe is sort of that grandma <laughs> and what they're starting to see now because they're a business i mean yep. they're political leaning they have people in the trump cabinet i guess she's stepping down whatever When you have someone like Darren Young who says I'm gay, unfortunately, you have to also point out the timing that he probably was going to lose his job anyway. And they gave him a second chance and it looked good for them. That's just that's the facts that I've seen. And that's what I believe. But then I look at someone like Finn Balor. I think Finn is genuinely interested in helping the LGBT community. Mm -hmm. I think he genuinely fought to have that voice shown. But then I also think the WWE has started to figure this out. Gay fans are watching wrestling. Gay fans are spending money on wrestling. And gay fans have the extra money to spend on wrestling. So I don't blame them for taking that stand and letting him do that because it does build you know, faith in the community that they are allowed to support this company and faith in Finn that he is allowed to be supportive. But I can't be a li- help but be a little bit, you know, uh, cynical by saying, look, they've realized the money in the gay fan base, which we've been touting for years. Yeah. Gay people want to be able to come out to wrestling shows and support it. They have not historically been able to. They have been targeted and treated like shit. And same with the gay wrestlers or, or whatever it is. Um, and now they're saying, oh, gay people are coming in and spending a lot of money on wrestling. And they're buying shirts. And they're paying for events. And, you know, not to stereotype gay people, but we don't really have fast things. We sort of – we like to go all in on the things that we're doing. Yeah. So – 
they, they're they seeing that. And it's hard to be like, okay, one second we've got Finn coming out in a pride shirt and what a celebratory moment. And then the next we're in Saudi Arabia taking <laughs> oil money built uh, on the back of blood uh, and built around a, a society that kills gay people, that treats women terribly, that does all of these horrible, horrible criminal things. And they're still doing that while, hey, but we're supporting the gays over here and we're giving the women a pay-per-view over here. And we're giving the women a main event. It's you can't help but be cynical and say they're only getting to this point and supporting and having their pride because they know they can make money now. Yeah, I feel I feel that about a lot of uh, companies that kind of um, just have the rainbow flag instead of their normal logo or something. You know, like a rainbow flag version of the logo. Uh, like right, and that's I think some people underestimate that how smart gays are too because yeah. there's been a lot of wrestlers who put out like, oh, here's my LGBT pride shirt. Straight wrestlers. Yeah. And the first question that comes up is not, oh, thank you. This is great. Where can I buy it? It is, okay, but how does this actually benefit the gay community? Are you donating 20% of the shirt to a gay charity? Are you trying to help victims of sexual assault and survival? Um, Or is this just you want to make some gay money? And we're real quick to jump on that now as fans and as wrestlers to say, if you're going to use this, we better see where this money is going and how it's actually helping gays and that you're not just throwing a rainbow on something in a tacky way and saying, oh, I, I like the gay people too. Yeah. No, well, I mean, the, with the, the Bala thing, and I think I, I, he obviously does a, a lot um, for the LGBT community and makes them feel more, you know, involved and they can feel accepted to, uh, to watch wrestling and stuff like that. But there, it, there is a new... Um... Are you pissing? Yeah, I'm going to stop. <laughs> I didn't realize it would be that loud. <laughs> That's okay. I mean, I, I'm, it'll be fun to keep in. Someone will be, someone will get off on it, you know. <laughs> someone will be like, oh, my God, we can hear the pee. Mm-hmm. Oh, Adorable. I, this is what happens when you just lock yourself in hotel rooms. You just start acting like a crazy person. <laughs> See, I don't mind telling you. I've had, like, old dudes in particular offer me money to come around and, like, piss on them and stuff like that. And Isn't just, that strange? And they're usually the nicest people. You're just like, why are you doing this? They're usually married. Like, they're usually married as well from what I've, uh, you know. Uh, <laughs> yeah, have you ever I had – because there's a thing – I don't know if it's a term in America. I know they exist, but they're called – in the UK, they're called grapple gays. And they're usually, like, older men who will want to buy your ring-worn gear and all that kind of stuff. Oh, or, and, and listen, I'll let them buy that ring-worn gear. Uh, um, my boyfriend was joking. I was like, hey, bring those trunks. And he was like, what? Why are you bringing these old trunks? I was like, oh, someone will buy them. Someone will and he buy was like, them. Yeah. he's like, no, they won't. He's like, that's gross. Did you wear these? I was like, yes. <laughs> and so we kind of like we jokingly made an over under bet on how much I could sell these trunks for. And I, you know, I won the bet because I knew the market. But yeah. he was just sort of flabbergasted that like, why are they buying this old gear? I was like, I don't, I'm not worried about why. I mean, I kind of know why. But. They're buying it. Let them have it. I can't wear it anymore, you know? Surely any even remotely good-looking wrestler, when they sell their trunks, they know who they're going to be sold to. It's not necessarily, yeah. you know, it's not necessarily going to be a fan of Rand- a straight fan of Randy Orton or whatever who's going to spend $1,500. <laughs> so, you know, um, there's an amazing... Um, there's an amazing... Um, there's a couple of things I need to tie up, but there's an amazing Randy Orton um, tweet. Someone tweeted him a picture of him on the top rope and he was kind of bent down and the the comment was i want to eat your asshole and uh randy oh my god o- randy orton actually replied he said no thank you <laughs> no freaking thing at least he put it out there you know we want to know if, what you're comfortable with yeah one thing i think that you you know bringing up the kind of 
old gay wrestling fans. There's also a really big community of customs matches in the United States. And I don't know if you do as many in the UK where basically they rent out a warehouse with a ring or not a ring sometimes and have these very sexual light working, like hold heavy matches. And the guys are wearing little thongs or little briefs. But it's funny to me that a lot of the wrestlers, those are their biggest paydays, but they won't discuss it. And it's all these guys who have contracts places now. And a lot of the WWE guys have done them. You know, Seth Rollins Seth has Rollins, done them. Seth Rollins, that's the one that I've seen. Um, <laughs> Tony Nese has done them. Okay. Brian Cage has done them. You know, it, you really go down the line and they all do it under pseudo names and they won't talk about it and they keep it quiet. But they're clearly doing this to a gay fan base and they're making a lot of money doing it. And I've sort of joked and said, you know, um, I, I would love to tell you my favorite match of yours, but I feel like we're not allowed to discuss those private matters here <laughs> and seeing the look on a wrestler's face when you kind of bring that up. Cause I, I don't see any shame in it. Go do what you want to do, but don't sit there and hide and act like, well, that's not the real me and this and this you made your money and you made a little softcore porn film. It's okay. Uh, but, but don't, don't be scared of what you're doing with wrestling and then go back and turn around and try to be homophobic or act like this isn't the real you or something Yeah, because you're making money, you know, and the girls make a ton of money doing them too. I talked to one girl, I won't tell you who it is. And I said, Hey, what are you doing tomorrow? You know, it was WrestleMania week. She said, well, I'm shooting customs and I'm going to shoot 12 in a day and they're going to pay me $400 per custom match like 10 minutes so in, in a matter of a day filming these silly matches they're making thousands of dollars which is a lot more than they're making on regular bookings yeah um and it's it's sort of a weird economy to see that's very underground and everybody's sort of participating in for the most part a lot of these guys are but they won't talk about it or bring it up shit i, I would do that for 400 dollars you know mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I look like shit in wrestling gear, but you know, I would do it for fun. Oh, but they don't care. They don't. Everybody's got a type. That's why this is a bigger life message of like, hey, you may look a certain way, and someone doesn't like you because you look that way. But I promise you, there is someone who likes you because you look that way. The, yeah, no, this is true. This is true. Well, the, what I was going to say, I was going to tie up the uh, the Finn Balor thing that he, the Mattel have just made an action figure of him in the rainbow jacket with the rainbow boots and everything, and I can almost guarantee that none of that money is going. To anywhere, other no. than, you know. Um, so no, and even I want to bring this up. I love Jake Atlas, and I finally got to hang out with him in New York, and we worked two shows together, uh, and it was so good sharing a locker room with him. But I still think the WWE sort of used him as a PR ploy because they put him on that episode of Undercover Boss with Stephanie McMahon. They had him talking to the kids at the BSR. They had him be a guest trainer, like helping out with uh, the cardiovascular and weight training stuff at an NXT tryout. And he sort of got to share the story of like, I'm this openly gay person, but WWE sort of tacked themselves onto it as well. Mm-hmm. And he'll probably have a job there for himself in the future because he's extremely talented and positive and wonderful to be around. But I also don't want to see them able to take advantage of him and just say, look, we've attached ourselves to this gay performer who's very inspirational, but not really taking care of him 100% because he's not under contract with them. And they're still using his image on CBS and on their videos and on the stuff that they've done to make WWE look more accepting when the case, if you really look into it is eh, it's a surface level thing you know and so i i kind of look out and some guys take it the wrong way and they hear the way i talk and it's like look i was a public relations major in college i run a two two and a half million dollar business week to week that's just my real life so like when i'm coming to these guys and saying look protect yourself protect what you're worth make sure people aren't using you the wrong way i do it with the best of intentions but in wrestling a lot of guys take that as a jealous or insecurity thing and i'm like hold on guys i'm i'm good I know my bookings. I know what I'm doing. 
I'm just looking out for all of us because we're really we're in the same industry and I don't want anybody taking advantage of her to feel frustrated because they get used up in the wrong situation because they're extremely talented or they have something to give to the world and to let them just sort of be used by the corporate uh, cog system to make sure that they can keep getting getting uh, the right view from the world about what they're doing. Yeah, well, I mean, this kind of leads into what I was going to ask. And I'll get off Ballard, but it's obviously, you know, a relevant sort of uh, topic. Yeah, but yeah. when when <laughs> one thing that I noticed is when he did the uh, Saudi show, he did not wear the rainbow jacket and uh, all that kind of stuff. And, um, oh, yeah. The, the, and... You know, obviously I noticed this, but his trunks are particularly, you know, tight to the point where you can see what religion he is and all that kind of thing. Yeah, I was going to say, you, you can tell you can tell he's uh, he's British because the Americans wouldn't leave that much skin. Nah. So, but at the Saudi show, if you notice, his trunks were slightly, you know, not as tight. <laughs> you know, I, I have a they, feeling that. Yeah, they made him go up a size. <laughs> um, here's the conspiracy theory as we kind of discuss Saudi Arabia and what's allowed and what's not. Yeah. Um, Everybody says, okay, this is a big step, you know, but they're worried about what the Saudi regime does. When they went into this plan, and this is just me talking, making a guess, but knowing the truth, I think they had a bigger plan at bay. And the Saudi Arabian uh, crown prince now is really trying to look progressive while still doing terrible murders and killing gay people and abusing women. He's trying to look more forward. And you can tell by the video packages of like, we're letting women drive in Saudi now. We have women's sport leagues now in Saudi. So you do this first show and women aren't allowed on it. And then you do another show and and women are going to be, you know, around on the video. And then you finally get to the point where WWE presents the first women's wrestling match in Saudi Arabia. And it looks like such a big deal. But they've known about this the whole time that they've set up. Hey, first show, we'll do this. Second show, we'll do this. Third show, fourth show. Whenever that happens. And they finally do have these women wrestling in Saudi Arabia. They're then going to repeat, repeat, repeat that on the network to us about Look, WWE is the one who actually brought global progress for women, Mm. and they came into the big bad Saudi regime and showed them that women can do it, when really this has been a contractually agreed upon thing that's supposed to make world news on purpose over the next two years. While right now we're saying, why do they have this relationship with the Saudis? They're going to turn it around and say, look, we know they did some bad stuff, but look at how much progress we brought to the country when it's been agreed upon since the beginning. They'll have that first women's match. It'll be the biggest discussed news story in the world. WWE will look so good coming out of it, but they've planned this from the beginning, and they've worked alongside a murderous regime that has built their land on selling oil, killing people, and and ruining lives um, while also bringing this beautiful entertainment. Look how forward-thinking we are. Yeah, it's kind of... I have some moral, that is the really the main one, like moral things, you know, problems about being such a, a WWE, WWF fan in particular, you know, they are, I, I don't know if it's right for me to say, because obviously, you know, there could be a time when you work for WWE and stuff like that, but they just seem like an awful company sometimes and everything has like an angle behind it and, you know. Um, no. Yeah. And, and the thing I see now, especially with, with people, you know, getting signed into the program, people, you know, going into NXT, what they really look for now, everybody talks about other oh, train outs. Training is so hard. You got to get in there and really show them. They want to make sure you can take directions. You can listen and you can stick to the plan because the guys who got over big time, were not really sticking to the plan and they don't want anyone more over than the company itself, yeah. which is fine for them. It's their company if that's how they want to operate. But the guys who are getting brought in and signed are having this trouble translating to the main roster to being out on a bigger stage to being able to tell stories and not all of them but some of them because they're being brought in because they listen and take directions and not necessarily they're being brought in because they have great creative ideas they know how to work matches they know how to work crowds 
Um, it's more, are you going to listen to what we tell you or are you going to try to do your own thing? Cause we don't need any more of that. Yeah. I think it's at the point now. So, I mean, I, I'll not get too much into this cause I, I don't consider, I know that you wrestle now and everything, but I don't consider this much of a modern sort of wrestling podcast. Cause there's a million of them that sort of critique. Yeah. You know, and, um, you know, whereas my favorite pay-per-view of all time is WrestleMania nine. Um, so like it, it could be argued that my, um, opinion on wrestling is not valid at all you know <laughs> <laughs> no it's completely valid how cool is that stage set up at nine you know what i mean it like was. they've never outdone themselves on theming for a pay-per-view i fully agree i, I had like a 10 minute conversation with david Starr, who's uh one of his favorite matches is the head shrinkers against the steiners because he was trained by the simones and there's a spot where oh wow um where rick is on fatu's shoulder and samu comes off for like a doomsday device and rick catches samu and power slams him off fatu's shoulders you know it's uh oh my god God. Yeah, it's uh, pretty incredible. But um, with the with the Saudi thing though, um, because of everything that happened recently in particular, they dropped the Saudi theme from the um, from the event. So do you think they're gonna like pick that back up again? Because uh, you know, I, I I hated that it was just a propaganda fest the, the first one in particular when it was like oh women can drive now and they say like, yeah yeah w- women can drive their husbands to the strip club you know? <laughs> <It's> not- yeah yeah <laughs> women still have to cover their whole face yeah you but know? renee young was on commentary and she was like head to toe and like black you know you couldn't see anything you know <laughs> yeah i'm surprised i mean and there's another little step we have a woman on commentary now you know these little steps at a time they'll push the saudi agenda when they get to that moment if they have to be a little quiet about it for a second they will they'll say okay there's drama going on uh, um but yeah i mean that's it's the biggest thing right now that makes me uncomfortable about taking money from that company is i just it worries me that they're going around having business relations with this terrible regime and they're going to use it for pr it bothers me but yeah. we could get stuck on this forever if no, we really no, wanted we to okay well do you feel that um wwe in particular just because of the biggest company and to be fair with um with AEW, they've made statements about including lgbtq uh characters um wrestlers um and you know because people have complained about it which i find like mind-blowing but um do you feel that with the bigger companies to promote to the gay audience that the only way that they know how to do it is to kind of titillate the audience with like sort of, you know, close up shots, uh, revealing outfits and all that. You know, it's like they can't find another way to do it. Yeah, they're they're bad at it, but they'll only figure out how to do it when they see how they can make money with it. And that's what's good about AEW is. You know, they've got people like Nyla Rose, who's a trans woman. They've got people like Sonny Kiss, who is a gay man. Yeah. And once they're on TV and and people see that they can draw in ratings and they're bringing in people and they're incredible performers beyond any spectrum of the LGBT, WWE is going to be scrambling to get to the same level. And it's something I've gone back on. I'm like a character like Velveteen Dream, who's sort of this over the top, weird, you know, hypersexual, but not sexual. Don't make assumptions about me character. To me, how long can you keep going on like, we don't know what's really going on with him versus I want to have a connection with this character that's something more where they can actually get into a storyline where there's really something, you know, honest and truthful about the character coming out. And it's not just sort of this mirage of strange and weird and what's he going to do. And it's a a connecting storyline that people can really find something real in. And 
like a, you know, when like they, a, when they um, pull the trigger on that. Yeah, well, like a relationship with another man on screen, like a real relationship. Right, exactly, okay. and not making it weird or hokey, or at least, you know, I've always loved the kind of storyline, especially with gay wrestling, of this sort of un, unrequited love, you know, of I really have feelings for this person. They can't feel back for me because they're not this way, because they were born a different way. They're not born into my community. They don't understand it. And being able to show that frustration off, because there is a frustration to that. You know, having a male-male bond with someone and having friendship with someone, it's easy for us gay dudes to take it the wrong way sometimes. Mm -hmm. And it's frustrating, but there's nothing we can do about it. So being able to translate that into a wrestling thing of like, why is he frustrated or mad or angry? Why is he a heel? He's not a heel because he's gay. He's a heel because he's been burned so many times and hurt and he doesn't know who to trust and he doesn't know who he can be himself to or who's going to judge him or make him hold himself back from being who he is 100%. And those are real emotions that people can get involved with. Wrestling has those moments of real emotion, and that's the real part of wrestling. So when you've got Shawn Michaels saying, I'm sorry, I love you, before he kicks Flair, yeah. you know, there's 20 years of storyline behind that real emotion happening and two grown men crying. You can have that same emotion in a tasteful way. With a gay themed storyline that is not going to be tacky or just like a fake wedding marriage or, you know, here, oh, here comes the gay one. He's prancing around. You can do it in a tasteful way that people can look at it and go, I'm not gay, but I understand where this character is coming from. Realistically, though, it seems like WWE are nowhere near the level of being able to do that tastefully. <laughs> because, no. you know, there's too many. You know, it's it sounds horrible, but when you have um, like a eighties southern redneck like Michael Hayes, you know he's mm -hmm. not he's not going to on creative. He's not going to be able to do a gay storyline tastefully. Um, you know that's prob that that could be that could be like being unfair on Michael, but you know it just with like it, it just seems like you can't unless you incorporate wrestlers. Um, um, involvement in sort of like getting their personal take on something or getting taking a real life story or a situation that they've been through. You but know. what I do see is is with some of the smaller companies. I mean, look at look at SmackDown right now. There's a lot of TNA guys that from you know from TNA that have come over to SmackDown now, and they can go back and run these feuds that they did in TNA because someone took a chance on doing them TNA and they were successful. So now WWE knows. Okay, here's something tried and true that worked before. We know we can make it work again. If these smaller companies start taking these risks and having these storylines, bigger companies are going to pick up on them and see that they work and see that they get people invested and see that they happen. So the more independent wrestling that takes a risk, which WWE watches all of it, don't ever fool yourself. Yeah. They have people scouting constantly all the time to look for ideas. I can tell you because half my shit ends up on WWE TV. Makes me sound like a diva, but I swear to you, I'll do something and like four weeks later they're doing it. Um they're watching this, and and if they can see the success from someone else at a smaller level, growing their business using sort of storylines that are capable of showing LGBT things, then they're going to pick it up and do it because they their bottom line is the bottom line. Mm -hmm. If it makes them money and they can see how it's being done to make them money, they may not take the first risk, but they're going to pick up on it and use it to help their business grow. So we've got to take the risk to the ground level now to show them that we can make it work and make sense because that's how they're going to pick it up. Yeah. That's how they're going to want to use it. Mm. Well, look, I, I don't want to, I don't want to keep you too, too long. Do you have a show tonight? Uh? I do. So I'm actually in the second night of the battle of Cleveland for real shoot live wrestling. I'm in Cleveland, Ohio today. Um, I won last night. It was great. Uh, and then after that, I'm, I'm taking a little bit of a, a 
week long break in April, which is nice. But then I'm, I'm back on the grind, man. I'm kind of nonstop. Uh, you know, I live in Florida, but I'm sort of all over the place now. So I'm just going to keep showing up and wrestling and taking bookings on the weird shows and the weird ideas. Uh, have you ever had a, a fan of yours dress up as you for, for a show? Wait, repeat that. Have you ever had one of your fans dress up as Effie for a show? Oh, yeah. It happens more often than you'd think. They fully (laughs) cosplay. Uh And they show up in the fishnets with the panties. And I've had people make their own trunks of it. Um, And that's super awesome. So where do you get get your fishnets? Do you have to get like double XL fishnets and stuff? Uh I get the queen size. That's what they call it for us big (laughs) girls. (laughs) Uh, you know, and and I've sold a few pairs of them after, like post match. I am sure you um, have, yeah. which is great. Uh, but but it's also just like I don't know. It's it's an easy thing to replicate. You obviously know what's going on when it come out. Yeah. I'm not stuck by the fishnets. Like I could wrestle without them and be just as over and fun. But it's an easy thing to identify, and you know what I'm going to stand for when I get in the ring. And then I can use that to sort of get in my opponent's head. You know, mm-hmm. at the end of the day, I'm a Southern grappler, man. I was trained and raised in the South. I worked matches in the South and we have a real particular style about how we get our matches over and how we work. And to have that Southern wrestling ability, but to also have the mind games of, I know you're uncomfortable with this and I'm going to make that work to my advantage Mm -hmm. is a really good combination for me. Did you sort of, uh, in terms of the character of Effie, did you test it on people or bring it up to see your trainer or whoever to see whether they think it would work or like, did they try and tweak it in any way? Or was it just one day you just kind of went out there and did it? Well, yeah, people try to tweak it all the time. I knew starting out, I'm in the South. I know I can get heat doing this and it it evolved past that to become a hugely baby face gimmick for the most part, which is great. Mm -hmm. But people are always suggesting, Oh, well you should wear a tutu or you should do this or you should do this. And it's like, look, I know I'm not subtle, but I do have some layer of subtlety to me Mm -hmm. and I don't take their suggestions very often. Um, to really get into it, I overthink everything. I put out a, a little web series called Effie and the Agent, where it's me and my dog and me and this other guy talking about me basically overthinking all the decisions in wrestling. And when I talk about the name Effie, that is a whole over decision because it's short for the biblical name Ephraim, which translates to bearing much fruit, right? So it's a fruit joke. Uh-huh. But I shortened it to Effie because it's effeminate, it's short. But then I started thinking about it and Effie. Right. There's the WWF and there's the WWE. The WWE is the family friendly. We're publicly traded. We're a business. We operate as a business. And I have that side of me where I know I have to, you know, be a certain way to the public. I know how to merchandise and market myself. I know how to make sales on myself. And that's the E part for me. And the F part for me is this wild ass party wrestling We'll do a death match. We'll do a comedy match. We'll do hardcore. We'll do crazy stuff. And it's more adult oriented and more R rated and a little wilder. And that's the F part. So having F E and being both sides of that coin is, is really an awesome way I can sort of twist the name now. And I think of it that way. I want to be able to appeal to the crowd. That's going to show up and say, Oh, that wild gay wrestler was so much fun, but also the crowd that shows up and really takes wrestling seriously and researches and figures it out and wants to see more to the characters. I want to be able to appeal to both of those audiences. Mm. Oh, definitely. And, and the thing is, one thing I did find funny when you uh, post match uh, pictures from uh, the death matches that you have and any match where you bleed and stuff like that, you get yeah. the, you get the sympathy of the gay audience like no one else who think you're too beautiful to bleed. And you know. yeah, they're like, "Why are you doing this? Why?" <laughs> are you doing this? And it's like, look, because 
not only can we be cute and gay and fun and friendly, but like we're also an oppressed people and, and we've put through a, we've put up with a lot of shit and I want gay people to go, you know what, we can be tough as fuck too. And if that means taking some light tubes and some gusset plates and some barbed wire, then you know what, let's show them. We can get beat up time and time again, the worst as possible. And we're going to get up and we're going to smile with blood on our face and keep freaking rolling. I love it. Um, well, a, a couple of um, a couple of questions for you. What is your most appealing habit? My most appealing habit? Yeah. Um, I think I'm a good listener. My mom said I'm a good listener. Um, and I think a lot of times when wrestling fans come to shows, you know, they want to talk to wrestlers, but they also want to be able to, like, talk to wrestlers. And when people are coming up and telling me, hey, I've had a shit week, but the show is great or, you know, hey, we, we felt comfortable coming to the show the first time. I want to be able to listen to them and not just say, OK, we'll buy a T-shirt or move along. But to be able to say, look, yeah, I know I'm a wrestler. I'm out here. I'm a superstar. Got an entrance, got a theme song, but also we're people here and we can help each other and we can talk things out. And that's really important to me. You know, as far as um, listening to the fan and seeing what the fan needs and not listening to everything they need, but listening, you know, to what their opinions are and how they feel about things and what they liked and what they didn't like. And, yeah. you know, what the wrestling means to them, um, just being listened to can be the most important thing in the world. And I want to always be an open ear to anybody that wants to come talk. That's really cool. And, and have fans ever like come out to you then? Yeah. You know, the funniest coming out story, and I'm not going to say the person's name, but I had a wrestler come up to me at a show and he said, look, he said, I think, you know, I'm, I'm struggling with some same sex attraction, you know, and I don't know what to think. And I wasn't, I, I wasn't being a very good listener. And what I said to him was, well, you know, we're going to support you no matter what. Um, but just remember sucking a dick and looking at a dick and thinking it looks nice are two very different things. Yeah. <laughs> See, that's the thing as well from like a, a, a gay point of view is wrestling in a ring with another man in your underwear less erotic than what people may assume it is you know like so yeah it's so much less erotic (laughs) um it's it's one of those things where you know when we're in the ring even if i'm doing like funnies i did a spot last night where i did the 10 count in the corner and i hit him with my dick instead Uh. um even even with those silly spots we're still checking on each other and keeping it completely professional and uh, the last thing we're thinking about is how good how good our asses look in the ring while we're fighting. <laughs> we're we're more thinking about some other things. <laughs> um, have you ever correctly accused anyone of witchcraft? Have I ever accused anyone of witchcraft? Correctly accused. Um, well, people have correctly accused me. I made a deal with the <laughs> devil in 2016. Uh, and got and, and made a blood oath with the Dark Lord, and it's worked out fucking tremendously for me. Um, I really only did it so I wouldn't have to go to church anymore because my parents, are, my parents and my grandparents are my grandparents are ministers, and so I come from this very religious family. And I figured if I made a deal with the devil, I can say, well, the devil doesn't let me in your church anymore, and that worked out. But what it also is, and what people confuse this demonic stuff. Do I really think there's demons? I don't know. But what people confuse about this demonic stuff is like the real church of Satan in the United States is about treating everyone with as much respect and kindness as you can, treating yourself with enough proper respect. And 
being yourself and not letting the world tell you how to live, not having masters, not having these gods, not having, you know, superstition hold us down for what we're allowed to do in life and saying, look, you are your own entity. You can do what you want. The power of Satan is the power of yourself to go out there and do whatever you want and make the world your own place and not have to worry about the judgment of somebody in the sky or somebody at a church or of a priest or of a pastor um, and saying, look, I'm making this decision on my own. And that's the only person that I'm going to really look for the opinion of. Oh, I love it. And the thing is, I asked you that as a joke question. You give me like the most beautiful answer. Like I try. <laughs> <laughs> you, you're a poet. Um, okay, well, um, a couple more. What this? These are from a book, by the way. Uh, what would it take for you? What would it take for you to drink a pint of bull semen? Um, you know, I my roommate, who is also one of my best friends in the world, we always do these jokes of like. You know, hey, how, how much how much to suck that guy off? How much would you pay? He's straight. He's straight. So he'll say twenty million. I'll be like, all right, eighty bucks. I'll do it. So, like honestly, I've when you think about, uh, I'll use Teddy Hart's quote from last night: "We're the worst paid whores in the world." So we're out here throwing ourselves on the ground, bleeding, falling on our faces, and not getting paid shit to do it. Which we're fine, and Teddy's fine, yeah, pay wise. But. Um, so when you look at like how much would you pay to drink the bull semen, probably three hundred bucks. I'll drink that whole cup. <laughs> we'll fair. do it. We're wrestlers. We don't give a shit. Well, you know, whatever. You got a payday for me? Let's do the show. <laughs> That's fair enough. <laughs> um, well, from a, a last question as well. This is kind of a, a potentially a weird one as well. Was there any when you were younger any wrestling things that kind of confirmed your you know, sort of gayness or bias and all that kind of thing. Because there were, there were for me, I'll be honest. The thing is, I like old wrestling largely. Yeah. They're all ugly motherfuckers. You know, um, <laughs> you know, anyone who was reasonably good looking would have that as a gimmick. Now everyone is so beautiful that not everyone can have that gimmick because everyone's, you know, wrestlers have just gotten better looking over time. And that kind of happened during my puberty as well. Now, I think it happened with, yeah. it happened with women, uh, with the women as well, but certainly with with the dudes like I'll, t I'll tell you one of my early ones this is and i've interviewed him as well i've never told him this but um because i think he would have hung up immediately <laughs> um okay <laughs> i've told friends this so it's absolutely fine um there was a issue of wwf magazine that had an interview with ahmed johnson and um i never really thought anything about ahmed johnson before but then there was this photo shoot of him in like denim hot pants um, oh my god! And I was just like, "Holy shit, that's something I've never really thought." Because like, sort of good-looking wrestlers to me would be like Shawn Michaels or whoever. Yeah, yeah. But like, then I was just like, "Oh, I like big black dudes." I didn't realize. I, yeah, that, I didn't know. know this was my thing, and now I know. <laughs> and I, I, I did ask Ahmed about the uh, photo shoot, and he was. I mean. He was, I mean, he was full of shit on this answer. Like, I don't mind telling you that. Because he was like, that was the highest selling WWF magazine of all time to the gay audience. And it's like, how could you possibly know that? Um, and this is bearing in mind that, like, Shawn Michaels posed nude for a yeah, magazine one yeah. time and all that kind of thing. But, uh, yeah, no, so that was, like, an early thing. But then sort of when around, it, really the attitude era when, like, sort of the good, like, the Hardy Boys, Edge Christian, stuff like that, it's like, I like them genuinely as wrestlers, but they just happen to be very good looking as well, and I was just like, yeah, uh, and, I, you know, I think if I think about it, like, going back and, like, watching SmackDown on UPN, um, I think I figured out my twink fetish pretty early with Brian Kendrick coming out. Definitely Brian Kendrick. Um, oh, dude. And, he, and calling himself Spanky doesn't make <laughs> it any better for me, you know? But then I can also remember being a young kid or a teen or whatever I was at the time 
And they did the whole joke angle with Billy and Chuck. But in the back of my head, I was still like really hopeful. Like these are two normal looking dudes who have had careers in wrestling. Like, is this legit? Yep. Is this really, is this going to happen? And you know, it turned into a whole joke thing. Cause that's wrestling. But having that thought of like, maybe they're really going to do this and not even knowing what it meant to my sexuality, but <laughs> being hopeful that it was real, Just you know, Oh my God, the are they going to make this happen? Just you know? Yeah. Like <laughs> are these two normal giant Jack dudes really attracted to each other like that? Like that was such a foreign thing to me. Uh-huh. And it drew me in as a, as a watcher. And I can see why glad got a little mad at it, especially if they were yeah. consulted previously, but you know, it's wrestling. We're carnies at the end of the day. Right. So of course that's what was going to happen. But that hopefulness, even beyond like a sexual feeling of like, oh, two men can do that. Like that's allowed. Yeah. Um, it really kind of opens your eyes. So who knew WWE was so in- instrumental in helping us figure out that we were okay the way we were. Nah. Well, see, I'd, I'd, I'd tell anyone this now. I, I would tell Billy Gunn this as well. But when you have this big jacked up dude every week on TV mooning someone, it's just like when you don't have the internet, that is like your exposure to like a guy yeah. taking clothes, especially when he wore the, <laughs> the, the sort of mesh um, coats <coughs> with a fong and everything. I was just like, yeah, that's kind of hot. Um, it, it it is. It's so it's and you know what? Billy's still handsome and he's still a daddy. He is. You know, <laughs> and I, I I worked a show with him and his son recently, and you know he walks in a room, man, and he's jacked and he's still six five and he's so friendly and kind. And you're like, okay, I can see why we were all attracted to you, Billy. <laughs> you know, you had it going on and you still do, even though you're older now. Oh yeah, no, he looks um he looks pretty much he looks pretty much the same. I mean, I agree yeah. with the Brian Kendrick thing because like, the thing is, like the the whole Hardy Boys Edge Christian thing, they were kind of overshadowed by like Paul London and Brian Kendrick in terms of like the cute side. Right. But um, the first time Brian Kendrick was on TV, he streaked through the arena as well, which I thought was like, you know, that was a moment that will always kind of live with. Yeah, you. and they they thought they were getting the women audience involved, but really all us gays turned in and said, "Oh, well, who's this fella here? Yeah, who's I, this young smooth fella?" <laughs> and you know, I I joke about my preference in men. My boyfriend now is he's like six three, he's half black, he's gorgeous, caramel. Uh-huh. Um, but I always joke that like I like my boys to have the face of a nineteen year old and the body of a twenty eight year old who's been working out really hard. Yeah. So with that being said. Uh, I don't know if you've been watching 205 Live recently. Humberto Carrillo is my freaking dream boy. <laughs> that yeah. With that baby face I and he's just jacked and so smiley and sweet. I'm like, boy, you're going to make me fall in love over here with your straight ass. This is amazing. Like, I, it, this is so great that I get to talk to a wrestler about this and they not hang up sort of thing, you know. Um, yeah, no way. We, we can talk here. This is the safe space. Okay, well um... – Brad Maddox uh, was a one for me. Um, Dude, let me tell you about Brad Maddox. I could, looking at him, I could never figure out how he got those pants on because that ass was about to bust out of every <laughs> pair of pants that man put on. Yeah. Um, and the thing is, though, and uh, when he was just unassuming referee and stuff like that, it was kind of like, in my mind, it was just like, oh, I'm the only person that is noticing this referee. He's kind of my little guilty pleasure to, yeah you know to watch wrestling and uh you know brad maddox uh he's a beautiful and and of course tyler breeze um what and, a legend uh and he knows as well and the thing is though he's cut his hair as well which i kind of i don't know how i feel about that yet you know i mean i still think tyler breeze and fandango i know they've got kind of this goofy gimmick going on now yeah in my mind, if I was booking, I don't want to just get into fantasy booking here. I think Fandango, Tyler Breeze, and Baron Corbin could be the new NWO, straight up. Yeah. I think Fandango, 
Fandango's your Scott Hall. I think instead of a Hogan, you've got a Shawn Michaels and Breeze. And then you've got your big big Kevin Nash and Baron Corbin. And they could be a serious threat. But they also seem happy just chilling in the mid-card and taking their check instead of really pushing the issue. But those guys with a 5 o'clock shadow and some chest hair grown out just coming in and annihilating people and being the cool kids I think would be money. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, okay, what, what are your um, early wrestling crushes? Because like, I always thought that Brutus Beefcake... I mean, I, 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 I'll be honest, the, the whole mesh shit kind of does it for me a little bit. Um, <laughs> you know, um, so like Brutus Beefcake, and, and not the most handsome face, but like he just... And I'm going to be interviewing the core for his book as well, so I should probably not say too much. But like, he just has the whole power bottom yeah, thing going for him. Yeah, like, he's and yeah. he's smooth and he's muscly. Yeah, yeah. What I joke sometimes, and I go, look, some people aren't good on two feet; they just look better on all fours. <laughs> and and it's kind of a joke thing, but it's also like you know, they they would they don't need to walk around with that big ass. <laughs> I have to be a little care. I've had to tell people in the locker room before, like I'm such a flirt, but I'm monogamous. I'm not going to go mess around, but I'll flirt with guys and just like straight dudes aren't used to taking compliments like that, especially from other men. Mm-hmm. So sometimes it's sort of like, Oh wow. I've never even thought about that. But sometimes they get a little weirded out. I'm like, well, just leave it alone. Uh, I'm see, not with me. It's kind of uh, the opposite with, with straight friends. And before I came out, my straight friends, I've seen them be really homoerotic around each other. Um, and then I was like, oh, what can I, what can I get involved with? You know, (laughs) and the thing is then you have to kind of like not be too inappropriate, but if you're not out, it kind of doesn't matter. But when you're out, they kind of see it in a different way. So I I don't do shit anymore. Like my friends, I've told them, I'm like, do you know how many of your asses I just want to touch? And like, I can't do it anymore. (laughs) And like the fine would be, you know what I mean? (laughs) It's just, yeah, but it also is sort of, I mean, we're going back to that stigma thing of like straight guys are fine playing around and getting naked and whatever and doing their thing together. But they kind of know in the back of their head, it's not going to turn into anything else. Would they want it to? I don't know. I, I really believe in that full scale of sexuality and you fall where you fall and some people are straight and some people are gay, but a lot of us are just sort of like in a weird spot in the middle figuring it out. So I, if that stigma wasn't attached, would they just be messing around or playing around or would there be something more to it? There's nothing wrong with male affection yeah. and it's really people worried about the opinion of what everybody else is going to think about them. But to me, and this sounds a little horrible – I don't give a fuck about everybody else. As long as I'm happy and I'm doing what I want to do, like I'm good. Mm. Yeah, it, it, it's kind of a hard thing um, in terms of like I am awkward around if I like someone and don't know if they're gay or not. I mean, it's different if you're in like a gay bar, which I rarely go to because right. like uh, the music, they're too loud. They're too loud. Too loud. Um, <laughs> so the thing is, if you see someone in a bar or something like that, it's like you can't just necessarily go up to them because you also have to think are they gay or not and it's kind of i don't know if this sounds sexist or not but i feel that it's more acceptable as long as you do it tastefully for a guy to go up to a woman who happens to be a lesbian and then you know the guy gets turned down or whatever but i don't think you could really go up to a dude and be like are you gay or not you know yeah you sort you sort of have to let them come to you sometimes or figure it out on their own yeah um but it's it's also like it's they're not really worried about like themselves. They're like, I, I can't have other people seeing me around guys or seeing seeing you come up to me or it takes away from my masculinity. And obviously in the wrestling world, we're big masculinity people, apparently. Yeah. So 
it's it's sort of funny to see, you know, you compliment some people or flirt with some people and they're like not at it at all. And then you flirt with some guys and they're like have their wives there and they're joking about it with them and they're fully embracing it. So you never know what you're going to get. But, you know, what's the worst that could happen? You get punched in the face, attacked, left in the street for death. Oh, yeah, that is the worst that can happen since gay people are still attacked for just being gay. Mm -hmm. So I can see why we would be a little hesitant yeah, well, I, I I was told the best way to uh, fend off a gang of uh, people who are about to beat the shit out of you is to pretend that it's turning you on, um, and then that'll kind of like freak <laughs> them out, and then they'll kind of you know they'll back off a little bit, you know. Um, but that, I I wouldn't recommend that, kids. Uh, don't don't actually try that. Um, yeah, don't don't try it. <laughs> but look, I I should let you. I would love to do part two of this because i feel like oh i feel like we've got plenty left to say yeah but i also have to make this uh, digestible for the listening audience as well because <laughs> I, I you know um I, I do have a habit of rambling as well I, and i know that's encouraged with a podcast uh but of at the course. same time i have to have some some um boundaries to make people <coughs> not turn off when i start talking about Omar johnson's ass and stuff like that you know um <laughs> He, I think they're intrigued. He knew. I look. I saw there were times when he would do like a clothesline, and then he would land on all fours. But then his ass would be in the end. He would stick his tongue out, and and you, you, those trunks would ride up his ass and stuff like oh, that. Oh yeah, just those like, things were full half thongs all yeah. the time. And and the thing is, like, I you didn't get that much back in the day. But like, I I wasn't really in. Like I didn't really find Tatanka attractive, but he had that big ass, and they would ride up, and it's just like you you took what you you took what you got. Yeah, yeah, you only had limited resources. <laughs> um, and this is like almost guaranteeing that I'm never going to get to interview these guys anymore. You know, um, yeah, so it wouldn't be great anyway. Those guys keep too much a secret. This is true. This is true. Um, so yeah, look, where can people find you um, and follow you and buy your buy your stuff and all that kind of yeah. stuff? Yeah. So on Twitter and Instagram, I am at Kill Effie K I L L E F F Y because everybody's trying to kill me, but they can't. <laughs> Um, my website is, I think, funny. My, it, It's the same website, and it goes to the same place. One of them is bfe.com. Uh. So if you don't put the extra F, it's beefy.com. That's gay porn. That's definitely <laughs> not on purpose. The other website I bought that links to the same place is wwfe.com, uh. which looks like WWE with F-E at the end. Um, that goes to the same place. Uh, and then I've got shirts, I've got pens, I got all kinds of weird stuff. I do have shipping to England on my website, so you can do that. Um, but come hang out. Twitter is pretty raw with me. I'm, I'm on it constantly. Instagram is a little more curated. I'm on Facebook too, but I only really get on there to put my calendar up. Uh, but Twitter is, Twitter's my jam. I like being on Twitter. It's fast. It happens quickly. You can participate in everyone's conversations. Mm -hmm. To me, it's very exciting. So is a, a European tour in the works? Or? It is. You know, what's Yay! funny is uh, Sweet, Sweet Sugar Dunkerton has been such a wonderful resource for a lot of us American guys and how to make it and do it on your own and not wait for a company to send you over, but figure out these bookings, figure out how to cover yourself. And I think he's he's helping us work it out a little bit here. You know, he's a wonderful guy. So. Hopefully, uh, within the year or so, I will be over over the seas. Excellent. If you if you come to the UK, lunch is very very much on me. Um, Perfect. Yeah. I'm sure I'll be hungry. Well, that's the, that's the thing. I noticed that that's the way to win a wrestler over is to buy them lunch. Um, so yeah, um, <laughs> like David Starr and people like that. We're know. we're just starving all the time. 
Well, not not necessarily that. You know, uh, you know, who do, who wouldn't turn down a free lunch, basically? Of know? course not. Um, of course not. Have you had Nando's? You are a wrestler, so you like. If you... So I have had Nando's. I had Nando's in uh, what is that city? In Chicago, actually, I had Nando's. So I didn't have official english nandos but they do have one in chicago that i went to and i felt like i was a part of the team i don't know but how i would it... like the authenticity of it well you say authenticity nandos is like a, a portuguese dish <laughs> yeah well you know what that's if there's one thing you brits are good at it's going into a country picking out the good parts and then leaving it <laughs> oh dude wait until we'll take that yeah we'll we'll not get into brexit either you know <laughs> Holy fucking shit. Um, yeah, you guys got a good... We've we've got a mess on both sides of the pond right now. We're praying for each other. <laughs> I did think when I, I came to LA like a couple of years ago when Trump had just become president. And uh, I, I luckily LA is like the most liberal you know place in the world. But um, Oh, yeah. But um, I, I just thought, you know, a gay dude in Trump's America, you know, wouldn't go down too well. But, you know... Um, oh yeah, it's it, LA is so gay that that's why Trump had to become president. He was oh. like, we have to stop these homosexuals. <laughs> I I went to the the West Hollywood Strip, um, and it was oh yeah, oh god, it was every cliche you could think of, and it was wonderful. It well, was, and that's uh, the thing about West Hollywood too is everyone is like the perfect gay. So you're walking around just feeling bad about yourself because everyone has an eight pack and a perfect haircut and their yeah. tan and a little diamond earring and little shorts, and you're like, what? How do I fit into this community? Don't let the WeHo gays define you. I was never going to get fucked. Uh, the thing is, like, I went into a bar and uh, I was with friends, luckily, who are uh, who are gay, and they knew the person who ran the bar and everything. So uh, we sat at the bar, but there was definitely the sort of the corner for the rejects, and they, yeah. they, they were blatantly all going to just go home and fuck each other when they couldn't find anyone else to fuck. Yeah, they just needed something to think about before they got there. <laughs> oh, dude, it was like four in the afternoon, and there were strippers on stage oh my and gosh. stuff like that. It was it was unbelievable. Um, you know, next time, I'm, you know, because I've fully embraced um, the dick uh, since, you know, being there last time. So, you know, I'm going to make the most of... I'm not going to get AIDS, you know what I mean? But, like, I'm going to... No, you'll be fine. We're we're all prepping now, anyway. This is true, and you know, and I'm largely largely a top for any listeners who uh, may be interested. Um, <laughs> you know, you, you <laughs> can, same. You can get in touch. Um, you, you're a top. You're largely a top. Yeah, I just I like ass. <laughs> See, I'm, I I unfairly assumed because you know you um, have have that fine fine ass going on, and uh, that you would be a bottom, but. Yeah. Um, as they joke, I'm not even sexually attracted to sex. I'm sexually attracted to power. So that's sort of where I fall into. That that this is definitely a conversation that we can either have off air or we'll do the uh, <laughs> we'll do the uh, the X-rated version. I've got a yeah, the X-rated coming soon. I've got a sponsor. Like I don't know how he's going to feel about this show, but like you know, I love every part of it, so it's great. Um, <laughs> you know what? Tell him the gay money's coming his way, so he'll love it. <laughs> um. Well. Thank you very much. Um, this is no, thank this, you. This has been tons of fun. Because um, I, I, do you do many interviews at the moment? Or? I've done a few. I like talking, and I feel like there's also, you know, as wrestlers, we're only performing ten to twenty minutes, and we might get a promo here or there. You see me on Twitter, but I feel like hearing me long form or, or talking to me live, people get a, a very different perspective on kind of how I approach wrestling and how I approach the business, which is. 
I want more casual fans in. I want more people to just enjoy themselves. I want people to feel comfortable at the shows, you know, and not feel like it's a task or a chore to come to a wrestling show. Yeah. Um, so t- taking interviews and being able to just kind of talk and be silly and have fun and explain myself has helped me a lot as a performer. Uh, that's great. Uh, and well, we we definitely filled the wrestling quota, and we filled talking about men quota as well. So that, oh yeah, we um, had both both issues. Yeah, this is good because it's been like you know about eighty shows of not talking to gay people. So this is just everything all out in one. See, we gotta we gotta get it all out. Yeah, we we gotta let the world know. <laughs> um, gay wrestling fans are here to stay because they're here to actually spend money on shows and come and support this is true and and you have like a, a great fan base as well so like i rely on like basically i interview more successful people than me and then hope that like you know people yeah i think i do i think i've got a pretty pretty intense fan base now and it's awesome to see kind of that growth when people figure out you know i'll get one or two people that'll follow me and then their friends will kind of see it and be like i didn't even know this existed in wrestling and they're sort of opened up to a new world so uh, um there's a crossover with Effie that I think is really good between the casual fan who might only come to one or two wrestling shows a year. And then the wrestling fan who's judging every match they've ever seen online, they can both probably find something that they'll enjoy if they come watch me. Absolutely. Well, uh, what I'm going to do is maybe put a picture of, I usually put a picture of the guest on the thumbnail, but I may put myself on there as well, because you'll be sharing it to potentially thousands of gay people. Of so course. That, this is the best way to, you know, get myself out there. Um, you know, and then I can delete. Uh, I can delete Grinder, but Grinder is actually pretty. Um, it's at least entertaining. It's entertaining, but it's also um, oh, what's the word? Uh, convenient because it tells you like how many meters someone is away from you. Um, <laughs> yeah, in a scary way sometimes. <laughs> yeah, Two it, meters away, I can see you. Yeah, see that's the thing now. Now that I have Grinder, anytime I see anyone on their phone, I just assume that they're on Grinder. Um, I used to read, there was a joke that said, go ahead and change your regular text message tone to the grinder tone, and then you'll really know who around you is uh, is, is a part of the team. <laughs> well, on that note, that's a, that's a tip for the kids as well. Um, yeah, good tip. Go. Yeah. Um, thank you very much, and we will uh, we'll talk again soon. Thank you. I appreciate it, man. Goodbye. 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 Goodbye.